the scripture here. I'm going to read about 17 verses, but I'm going to give you the spoiler right up front. I want to begin to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And uh, so that's what we're going to be getting into. And we'll see how long we unpack that uh, in the coming few weeks. Uh, But I'm excited about this. Um, So Romans chapter 8, and let's just start from verse 1. Therefore, I guess you have to know why it says therefore. Uh, The nutshell is that the spirit of life in Christ has made you free from the law of sin and death. All right, so therefore, there's no condemnation now that exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the Spirit, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ has set you free. There it is, from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do, since it is limited by the flesh, God did. Isn't that good? God's law is perfect, the Bible says. You know, and um, the law of the Lord is perfect. The Bible says in the Psalms and um, and I like I like this uh, part here because what it says is the only weakness in God's law is you and me. <laughs> We're the only problem with that thing being perfect um, as far as it's being lived out on the earth. Right. It means none of us are perfect on our own and none of us are manifesting perfection yet. <laughs> uh, amen. Anybody? I'm not. Anybody? And um, and so. All right. So but uh, but what the but what was um, let's see. So what the law could not do since it was limited by the flesh. God did. That's the gospel. That is the nutshell gospel right there. What you couldn't do. God did. And he he condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in flesh like ours under sin's domain. And as a sin offering, in order that the law's requirement would be accomplished in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh, think about the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, about the things of the spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Powerful. When you are born again by the Spirit of God, which is a true spiritual event that happens. After that, you have a choice. Before that, you didn't have a choice because you were dead to the Spirit. But when you've been born again by your faith in Christ, it says now, here's the difference between spiritual and flesh living. What do I think about on a regular basis? Wow, it's powerful. Once I'm free, I get to choose what I do with this. It's pretty easy. Is that good news for you? Like, oh, I'm feeling down. Well, I can think about something else. (laughs) Then I'll feel life. For the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit itself to God's law, for it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, How do we please God? Who said it? By faith. Which is the belief that he did it. (laughs) It's good news. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. 
Oh, I like that he cleared that up. You, however, you guys and me, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, since the spirit of God lives in you. This is how we're in the spirit. The way you can be in the spirit is when the spirit is in you. It's impossible to live by the spirit until the spirit of God is in you. And the spirit of God is not alive in every human being. You must be born of the spirit. This is the truth. Amen. But anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is uh, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. That's the promise of eventually your entire even your body gets renewed. Even your body, you take on a new body. For your eternal life in eternity. Amen. So then, brothers, we are not obligated to the flesh. That's a good word, right? I'm not obligated to the flesh uh, to live according to the flesh. For if you if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. All those led by God's spirit are God's sons and daughters. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery. The language of the scripture is always inclusive. It's important to realize that. So so we say fathers, it's fathers and mothers. We say we're all sons, it's sons and daughters. It's it's the children of God. Um. So, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy. It's like Daddy. It's an affectionate term for Dad. The spirit lives. It's interesting because some people really, well, anyway. You know, people call, people call God Papa. I'm guilty of that. And, um, and uh, you know, that really kind of throws some people but when you realize that this this term here that Paul is using was the affectionate term, it's like, Abba, Daddy. <laughs> I mean, Jesus went around saying, God's my father. That was offensive. Paul's take it to the next level. He's actually our daddy. Amazing. The spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children also heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, seeing that we suffer with him so that we also will be glorified with him. All right. Amen. There's a lot there. We're not going to unpack it all today. The greatest gift ever given is God himself. He is the greatest gift. Did you sing that today in like the prophetic? He is the blessing. He is the blessing. God, you're the blessing. You know, we're like, God bless me. And he, we are blessed. Because he is the blessing. He's the blessing. Think about it. You know, what blessing do you need in your life? 
You know, it's like the difference between do you want a cup of water or you just want a fountain? Then you can have you can have that cup filled over and over and over again or you just put your face in it. You know, you can swim in there. You can drink. You can. And um, and so God is the blessing. He is the gift. His his. And so to be more specific. Right. God. We know that God loved the world so much that he sent his son. So the son of God was the gift of God to the world to bring us into relationship with God. But not so that we would obtain like a new belief system or a new religion. But so that we would be actually born of the spirit. And become sons and daughters of God. Oh, what manner of love the father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. You can hear the awe in John's heart at that statement. Can you hear it? John is in awe. He's like, what kind of love have you given us that you would call us your kids? He's, he's staggered. It's staggering to him. Now, to take it further... You know, Christ was Emmanuel, right? God with, with us, right? But as we know, a little bit of review here, Jesus was telling us, if you think this is good, you wait for the promise. I got to go away. Where are you going? You can't go there. I'm going to go. I'm going to make a place for you. I'll come back and get you. But... But it's better if I go, because when I do, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send the Spirit. And the Spirit of God, this, this is an upgrade, because Christ, God in the flesh, God in human form, walking around among us, is still, like, there's still a limitation to how many people can be in direct relationship with the God-man. Right. And man, he had thousands of people following him around. I mean, he had to like he had to have escape routes, you know, just to get a little time alone with the father. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not looking up to the mountain to pray. I bet his disciples were kind of like, well, how do he do that? Where did he go again? You know, and we know that Jesus was good at that because he disappeared right in the middle of a crowd. You know, they're like, we're going to push him over the cliff and they get to the cliff. Where where'd he go? So he was really good at that. But, um, but he says, it's better if I go away because the Father's going to send the Spirit. And, and the Spirit is with you right now, but will be in you, inside of you, inside of you. What makes you and I, what makes a person a Christian? What makes you a Christian is not that you signed a mem- you know signed a membership card or you joined a club or you agreed to some even though it's important that we understand this is the truth of God what makes you actually a Christian and able to even feast on this is the fact 
that the very spirit of Christ is alive inside of you. That you have, in fact, been born again. You're not a reformed sinner. You're a new creation. It's not, okay, second chance. It's, that guy's dead, now you get a new life. You're brand new. You're brand new. That's the beauty of being a Christian, is that even though with people, you might have some messes to clean up, but the way you live your life is that you're not living down a reputation. It's the best reset button in the whole world. Buried new life. The work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. Do you know what, what God's plan was, right? Because the law was weakened by my ability to follow it. I was talking just yesterday with a friend and about another subject, but we were talking about how you, know, you realize if you, if you break... You notice how we say, oh, he, we don't say, oh, you broke, he broke a law. You ever notice that? We don't say he broke a law. We say he broke the law. Do you see what what I'm saying? Because if you break, like the law is, is, is one, it's the law. And if you break a law, you have broken the whole thing. Is that a, it's amazing. And so if, if you've ever had one imperfect moment from your birth, right? Like maybe you were two and you threw your applesauce because you were having a temper tantrum. Right there. Bam. Bam. That wasn't Christ-like. So like, it doesn't mean you're condemned. It just means, right? And so, and so God's answer to that is that he puts the spirit, his own spirit, the God spirit, God, inside of you and me. Which makes us supernatural beings. More than natural. It's a good word. And this is really foundational to share a little bit more on a heart level with you about if this is true, if, 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 if the Spirit of Christ is inside of us, do you know what he's doing? He is at work in us, forming Christ in us. It's God who is in you both to will and to do, the Bible says. Think about this. Every part of your walk with God, your relationship with Him, every step of your Christian life, everything in you that motivates you towards God... And, and gives you even the desire to do what's on his heart. To do what he's doing. That even that, it says, to will and to do. The word will, it means the intent or the desire. The fact that you even want to and intend to live toward God in any way. In any way, the fact that that desire is inside of you. That you are drawn to him daily. That you... You are motivated to know him in some way and, and, and to live it out as a child of God because you've been born of the Spirit. That, even that itself, the will, is the Spirit of God inside of you at work. 
I can't even want, I can't even want God until he's inside of me bringing that alive. And then, and then, and then after that, it's the energy, the work, the doing, the living out of my, the life of God as I go on about my daily life. That also is the work of the spirit inside of me. It's a pretty humble state we're in, isn't it? And so what it does is it leaves you and I really in this beautiful place of surrender when our way of life really becomes all about giving thanks to God daily for his work in us, understanding that the reason I bear fruit, the reason I'm a light to the world, the reason I'm salt on this earth, the reason miracles happen when we lay hands on people, when the reason when... People are drawn to our light, and when we speak to them, they go, what is it about you? The reason is because God himself is at work inside of me and you. And so what's left is, thank you, God. Thank you for my life. Thank you that you are my life. What are you doing today? It's freedom. And the more I forget, if I, when, in moments when I forget that, and then, right, because we do this, this, this is our journey with the Lord, I believe. And as we grow, I believe what we really grow in is faith. We grow in our surrender. We grow. We grow in God, in our ability to surrender. It's not even our ability, but, but in, in, in our surrender towards Him, that He works the surrender in our heart, and He's working in us. And how do we partner then with this work of the Holy Spirit? Because I don't just like to talk about ideas. I think we have to understand that if this is actual truth, then there is a substance that's working inside of us. And so this would be something that we could sense, be aware of, and partner with for someone. Does this make sense to you? Are you following me? And so what it does is it, it, what I must realize is that it is not just ideas or teachings. It's actually a life of faith partnering. Well, I was thinking about, I was meditating on this verse when it says, um, faith is the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Boy, I I thought for a long time, like, oh, faith brings the substance. And there's there's a reality to that. That when I when I go, God, you heal? Yeah, this these signs are gonna follow. You're gonna lay hands on the sick, they're gonna recover. Okay, I'll go do it. Well, they did get healed. That's amazing. And and so so the faith did bring heaven to earth, but it actually is deeper than that. Faith is substance. Faith is substance. And so it's a life of substance in God, a life of power. It's a kingdom of power inside you and me. How does this relate then to my personal everyday life? Because that is what we're talking about today. You can go a lot of directions about this, our effect on the world. But all of that starts with the work of the Holy Spirit inside me. 
What's God doing inside of you? I mean, you might be like, well, I don't know. I'm kind of discouraged right now. I, I, haven't, I haven't been able to sense what God is doing inside of me right now. Anybody been there before? Well, I have good news. Even on that day, he's still doing something. God's always doing more than what we know about. And even when I'm completely aware of God's work inside of me, he's doing more then than I think he is. This is encouraging. Sounds like God, doesn't it? Like, doesn't it sound like an eternal, infinite God? All-powerful, loving God. That, that his faithfulness to me, to work inside of me, goes beyond my mood. It goes beyond. It goes beyond my moments of doubt and fears. It goes beyond. It goes beyond me because he is the one who is working in me. Oh, this was such good news. And so, how do we live this out? Number one, becoming aware of this simple truth that we've been talking about. That God's Spirit is moving inside of me. I don't know about you. Like, These simple truths, I can just, I can, it just blows my mind just to sit and meditate and think about the God of the universe who created everything is in me. He's in, God, how many is a son and daughter of God? Raise your hand. Come on. All right, listen. So think about this. God lives. God does. God is inside of you. God. God, the Holy One, the Majestic One, the Creator of all, the One who spoke the worlds into existence. God. Not like an idea of God or a piece of God, but God. God Himself. You're not God, but he's in you. And you're in him. And he is never complacent. He rests. But even then, all the stuff he said, it's like he's resting because it's all working. He just speaks. Moves by his spirit. Angels performing his word. His work goes on. And he's moving inside of us. So over the years, I've, be, I've, I've really, and, and I'm, I'm in another, and I don't think it's a season. I think it's a way of life. Into the depths of God. Into the depths of our relationship with God. Where we live aware of his work inside of us. That daily, he is forming Christ in me. It says, by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. How? By your willpower. By trying extra hard. By doing better tomorrow. No. By the Spirit. How do I put to death the deeds by the Spirit? 
He's the Spirit. How do I do that by the Spirit? I believe it's this. This is what I've found. That simply believing what he said is actually true. It's faith. It's called faith. It's called faith. It means I believe what God has said. And God has said that he is alive in me. And that he is working in me. That, that, that he is forming Christ in me. That what he began in me, he is able to complete. And, he, and, and so he, he finishes what he starts. And so like I am on a destiny course with perfection. And so are you. And so it's by the Spirit that I live this life of victory. And so I began to realize, like, and when you become in tune with it, like, I, I said to someone recently, because I'd really been feeling this for, like, a while, like, man, it's just one of those times again where I just, I know he's always working in me. But, man, I feel God working. In my heart, in my body, in my life, I feel God at work in me. And you know what it feels like? It feels amazing. But sometimes it does feel amazing, but sometimes it feels like because this word here, put to death the deeds of the flesh by the Spirit. Can anyone relate to this experience in your relationship with God? That I'm worshiping Him. And then inside, it's this groan. It's like, oh. You know, you ever hear that song? Uh, you know, kill him, kill him softly with his song. You know, it's like, it's like, that's what I related to do, to, to because, because it's this soft, gentle, faithful work, and it's killing me. <laughs> In all the best ways. And his spirit is breathing fresh life into because he's committed to this journey. And so this is the part of the Christian life. And actually the entire Christian life is a mystical life. Mystical, by the way, it just means mystery. It doesn't mean some weird Eastern religion or something like that. It just, you know, or some new, new age idea. Mystical just means the fact that there's mystery. And as long as you're going to have an infinite, eternal God, there's going to be things about him that you haven't seen yet. And so for eternity, we're going to be having our mind blown by the mysteries of God. But he never changes. Everything, I, everything new I see about God is just a deeper level of what I've already seen. And so as I, as I gaze on him, as I see him more, I just become more and more convinced that he is exactly who he says he is. And I just understand him at a deep level. But there's never a part where you go, wait, what? You understand what I'm saying? And so I'll give you some practical, where the rubber meets the road, ways that... It works for me. It's, it's just basically sums up in this relationship. 
relationship with God by the Holy Spirit. And so, one of the values is recognize. Learn to recognize that God is moving inside of you. The first step is to believe it. But pretty soon you're going to experience something. You're going to notice God working in you. What's that going to feel like? I don't know. I mean, you know. The, the next step is that I've got to be able to embrace him without knowing all the details of everything. You know, it's called trust. Faith is that I know you're going to do what you said. Trust is that I trust you are who you say you are. Even when you haven't told me what you're going to do about what I'm talking to you about, about my life, about the future, about this situation. Why won't you just tell me what you're going to do? You know, and that's where trust comes in, where he goes, remember, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I got this. I know. I know. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell you, I got this. Oh, trust. Trust is the ability. Trust is the ability to embrace mystery and trust his nature. That means on a practical level that I don't have to understand what he's doing in me to fully surrender to it. You with me on this? Now, it's inter- you know, when God says, oh, I'm going to teach you such and such. Okay. I don't know about you, but that isn't how God generally relates to me in my walk with him. Get ready. So our next lesson is, boom. He just goes, oh, you're walking with me. Something's happening inside of me. What is it? The work starts, then the revelation comes. Revelation is understanding about spiritual things. Revelation is when what's been happening in your spirit and in your heart grows up tall enough to reach some aspect of your brain. And God begins to let you understand aspects of his nature that he's revealing to you or that he's shaping and forming in you in this season of your life. And so what I do is I, I, when I notice it, I say, God, and I kind of do this, this is kind of like a way of life. Father, thank you for what you're doing. I just encourage you to do this. God, thank you for what you're doing to me. And here's another prayer. Keep doing what you're doing, God. Not that he's in danger of stopping, but that is my heart alignment with what he's already doing. Because he is going to keep doing it. The key is me saying, God, I value what you're doing. Keep doing this in me. Oh, I surrender to you. Here's another one. Lord, have your way. Have your way with me. Have your way. And it's out of this surrendered relationship that the Spirit of God works in us, these supernatural works. And then the people around you are automatically touched. It's like a, it's like a byproduct. Overflow. Fruit. Boonk. Fruit comes on. Lots happened in that tree before there's fruit on it. But eventually there's lots of fruit. 
You know, because how many know sometimes God does things that make us uncomfortable? You ever been made uncomfortable by God? I have. I totally have. Anybody ever been offended? Maybe you didn't want to call it that, but you just wanted to get away from it? Anybody? Yeah. I just, I, you just surrender, though. You know? And, um, like, you know, someone, someone gets touched by, this, by the Holy Spirit in a way that's significant and visible. And then they, and then, you know, then they, they come out of that experience and then they're getting an interview by somebody after that. Well, what God do? There should be a change. If you experience God, we should be able to... You know what I'm saying? We've got to be able to embrace the work of God when He didn't fulfill our checklist. Because God's got a different checklist than us sometimes. Usually He does. <laughs> Till we get His... It's always different. You know what I'm saying? Well, there ought to be a difference. And usually what we mean is, the thing I want to change about you, that's what God would do if He's really touching you. He'll do what I want Him to do to you. <laughs> it is that. It's funny. You're like, you know, the Lord's like, but what if I was doing something different? And so the work of the Spirit of the Christian's life, you know, it really is the way of surrender that we understand that God actually knows how he wants the bride of Christ to look. And he actually knows what I need more than me. God is doing some things inside of me. Some of it I know I need, but usually the things you know you need, he's been working on that stuff for a while. You just trust him. Other stuff he's doing inside of you and in your life, Man, he knows stuff that you wouldn't even know how to articulate, you and me. You know, he, I bet you we're going to step into eternity and, and go, wow, you were doing that and that and that and that. Like, I just, I knew this much. It was the tip of the iceberg. I didn't understand you were actually, that what you did in that season of my life actually changed for generations what my family would inherit. From you, that my children's children's children, that their walks with you would be impacted. So I, you know, I don't always know, but what I do know is I need Him. <laughs>